Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we dive into this week's episode, wanted to make sure you saw the important announcement that we made just a few weeks ago. In case you missed it, we launched a new jobs board. It's called Enrollify Jobs, and it's a new place for higher ed marketers and admissions professionals to find their next gig. When we founded Enrollify, we had a pretty ambitious goal. We wanted to be a professional advocate for marketers and admissions professionals throughout their entire career, both inside and also around higher education. And that's why we started this podcast, then a newsletter after that, then we started a review site called Chatter for higher ed vendors, and then an e-course, and then a whole video series, and eventually a full-fledged resource hub. So if you only know us from this podcast, head on over to enrollify.org to explore our plethora of other resources. And what united these educational resources was a pretty simple mission. It was to help enrollment marketers optimize the resources that they do have to generate the results that they need. And while great content is and always will be at the heart of what makes Enrollify, well, Enrollify, we realize that if we're serious about accompanying folks like you on your professional journey, we've got to do more than just make great content. And that's really when the idea of Enrollify Jobs was born. Enrollify Jobs is a site where you can browse, favorite, and follow job postings at universities, agencies, and ed tech companies alike. So how is Enrollify Jobs different from other jobs boards? Well, I'm glad you asked. First and foremost, listings are exclusively for admissions and marketing jobs available in and around higher ed. So you can expect to find job titles like Director of Marketing, Admissions Counselor, VP of Enrollment Management at colleges and universities, and also Product Marketing Manager, CMO, Customer Success Manager at a higher ed marketing agency or ed tech company. Number two, every job posting has a salary or salary range. Say goodbye to guesswork about you know what you're actually gonna be paid for this job before you even apply for it, right? And say hello to transparent job listings. We'll say it again. Every job listing that you will find on Enrollify Jobs has a posted salary or salary range. And last but certainly not least, you'll have the ability to sign up to receive notifications about specific job titles, roles, and employers. We make it really easy to be notified when an employer that you follow posts a new job or when a new job title becomes available. A lot has been written in higher ed about the great resignation. In fact, in many ways, right, higher ed has borne the brunt of this seismic shift in how the world rethinks work. But at Enrollify, we care a little bit more about the great reimagination, how higher ed will rethink course modality, how recruitment strategies will become more sustainable, how access to education will become more equitable, and how you, yes, you, will help reimagine the future of higher education. And who knows? Perhaps the next step in that reimagination starts right here on Enrollify Jobs. So if you're searching for your next gig or know somebody who is, send them over to enrollify.org forward slash jobs. Again, that's enrollify.org forward slash jobs. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Zach here, and today I am sitting down with Kathleen Davis to hear a little bit about her story, about why she uh, 
came actually from the dark side and uh, joined higher ed. Over the past few episodes, we've been talking with folks who have left higher ed. Uh, and Kathleen's an example of somebody who, you know, in, amidst everything happening in the world over the last couple of years, decided to join higher ed. So Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, glad to be on. Um, well, I want to start by helping the audience just get to know you a little bit. And so I'm curious uh, to your answer uh, to this this question that I, that I like to ask folks on occasion on, on the pod here. And the, that question is, what's something that you've recently changed your mind about? It could be, you know, something as simple as I've always hated great green tea and, you know, now I love it or as controversial as Oreos dipped in peanut butter are disgusting or, or anything else. What's something that you have recently changed your mind about? First of all, that's blasphemy. Uh, <laughs> peanut butter is always great. So I would never, ever, ever do that to you. Amen. Okay. I appreciate um, it. You're, you're my people. Yeah, that's great. So it might be a little uh, industry focused, but I kept on coming back to it um, as I think about this question. And I got to say that it's, I've changed my mind about being a big school person. Huh. Uh, I went to the University of Alabama and I got to say, you know, I, I, I'm an extrovert. So that just made so much sense to me to go there. They have had a great advertising PR communications program. Um, and I was excited to go to school with 30,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> but working at a small institution now, I got to say, I have FOMO. Hmm. Uh, just seeing the students, how... Um, you know, community oriented they are, how, you know, I don't want to say easy because it's never easy to be 19, 20 years old sure. um, and off at college for your first time, but just, you know, how uh, seamless uh, the community integration seems to be. That's awesome. Uh, and, and great answer. So quick follow-up question on that. Like, were you, did you have, were you one of those people that just like was friends with everybody at school? Like in, in every one of your classes, there were like five people that would like scream your name when you walked in or like, did you, did you have a close knit community within the context of your larger school? Uh, I definitely had a close knit community in the context of the larger school, but, um, the communications program is pretty big and you sort of, from uh, freshman year on, you, you kind of get looped in with the same kind of people taking the same classes, you know, the natural course progression. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have your close knit group of friends outside of the school, but then you spend several hours a day with the same people over a couple of years. Um, you know, they become your friends too. Yeah. And eventually I think that that relationship is kind of like your first colleague relationship. Hmm. Um, as you go through classes with, with students that are in the same program as you are. Yeah, that's really interesting. I had never thought about that, but it does make a lot of sense, right? It's like, it's almost like a, you know, professional organization before you are even a real professional. Um, Cause it's a group of people united around a particular, you know, field of study. So that's interesting. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, I'm pumped to talk about your story and dive into kind of the various really cool jobs that you've had uh, over the course of your career thus far. But before we dive into sort of the past, uh, you're at University of Lynchburg right now, and you are the director of engagement marketing. And as somebody who is relatively like well versed in higher ed lingo, and specifically when it comes to sort of like job titles, and Rolf, I just launched this brand new jobs board. So I've spent like hours and hours and hours like looking over job titles. And I have never stumbled upon director of engagement marketing as a title before. So I'm just curious, like, 
where like did you create that title was there somebody in this job before and what exactly does it mean to be a director of engagement marketing that's a great question i think that um you know as these titles pop up um they all kind of go back to a core of marketing um you know especially nowadays i think that we're we're you know sort of going back to some more print things and a little bit back to the basics and i think engagement's a huge part of that it's mm. it's digital and it's physical but um you know it's kind of the relationship between the two like i'm not just in the data all day you know figuring out who to retarget ads to and that sort of thing i'm out there going okay so when we go and we visit a high school um what's the digital follow up hey we were yeah. at your high school last week uh, we had a great time, whatever, you know, kind of marrying the two is, is the way that we sort of see the director of engagement marketing role in the way that um, I was lucky enough to be able to help write and craft kind of what I wanted to do next and where I felt like, so I came in as marketing strategist and just saw some ways that I could help. Um, I have a varied background of roles. So it was kind of like, let's figure out where I can help the most. And then let's put that into a job. So being able to connect with the community, uh, that's a, that's a big thing that we're trying to focus in on right now. Like how can we have a bigger imprint as uh, Lynchburg's university, you know, university of Lynchburg, how can we be more and more in the community? I think that's something that our president specifically has charged us all with and, um, engagement beyond the digital screen, which you and I both know is, um, key to any successful, marketing plan, but the human factor of it. Yeah. And, um, how do those two sort of speak to each other? How do you gauge success in that way? Um, budgeting. I hate that. I hate budgeting. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately that's part of, you know, the swag thing and figuring out what age group, cause we have a graduate school too. So, you know, figuring out how to engage, you know, a, a 35 year old, you know, mother of two to yeah. go back and get, um, their, their graduate degree versus how to speak to a 17 year old thinking about going to college. I mean, that's completely separate, uh, engagement opportunities. Yeah. So filtering those kind of things out as well. What I, what I love about it too, is I, I feel like, you know, marketing today, folks talk a lot about like community marketing, right. And this idea that at the end of the day, right. Marketing is about, you know, people convincing other people to come join them in some, you know, mission, right on some adventure, sure. whether it's buying a product, whether it's coming to school, right, whether it's, you know, buying a piece of software, whatever it is, the the idea of marketing is is kind of like based in some sort of connection, right. Uh, and whether that's a digital connection, a physical connection, etc. And so I, I like this idea of engagement marketing sort of sitting above any particular marketing tactic or channel or strategy, it seems like much more comprehensive. Um, and, and it does sort of like, you know, uh, I think it suggests, right, that at the end of the day, the marketing that we are doing as higher ed marketers needs to be relational and needs to be community based, because essentially, we're inviting outside folks to come in and join our community. Like that is our pitch, right? Like that's, that's the big sales pitch at the end of the day. Right. Like how many other products do you have to keep people engaged for four plus years? Yeah. yeah. And, and make and them change locations. I mean, when you, if you, if you look at it product wise, you're like, this is an insane product. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, you know, in many cases, all immersive, like you're asking, it's like people are coming to live like within the context of your product, let alone use it. Um, 
Well, I'm curious. You went to you studied advertising in college, and uh, what did you think that you wanted to do after graduation? And then, what did you actually end up doing? So, I think I I knew from an early age that I wanted to do something in communications. It's actually like a generational family biz for me. Hmm. Uh, my granddad helped uh, start one of the first TV stations in North Alabama. He was on the radio before that. Wow. writing his own ads for his programs. And then, you know, when they, when they had a TV station, um, they would shoot a lot of their commercials live, like just go from doing the news to, and now I'm in a commercial. And <laughs> so he was like the weatherman, the anchor man, and also the commercial writer. So um, my mom was a news producer at that same TV station for 15 years. Um, so grew up very heavily in the communication business and yeah. the news business. Um, which in a lot of ways is very commercial. And she ended up starting her own ad agency, uh, right before I went to college. So I, during college, I was able to help write scripts for commercials and do, uh, graphic work here and there and kind of already fell into working for an ad agency before I even really realized, like I'm going to school for advertising while actively doing this for my mom's company. Huh? Wow, that's awesome. That is that's such a cool story. Okay, I, I do have to ask. Um, my my wife and I like fell in love like most of you know America with the morning show, uh, and it, that was sort of like my one of my first sort of like purviews into like the crazy of like a newsroom. Yeah, have you watched this the series by any chance? I have not. Oh, you have not. Okay, <laughs> dang. Okay, well, I was gonna ask you like how real is it? Like the way that they portray things is it is it really that crazy? Um, I'm sure local news. Whatever is a it bit, is, yes, you know, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, great. Anyway, I remember, uh, like, if there was going to be like a snowstorm or something, which didn't happen all the time in Alabama, it was way more tornado stuff. My mom would get called in the middle of the night, and she was a single mom, so she'd be like, "All right, everybody, get up!" If we would all go to the, you know TV station and sleep in sleeping bags on the conference room floor, and wow. you know she would work that overtime for storms and breaking news and all that kind of stuff. So it was really cool as a kid to be in that exciting kind of situation, tracking down the storm and, you know, the meteorologist letting me play on the computer in between commercial breaks and getting to work the cameras. So I've always known that I wanted to go into the communication field. And actually as a result of her being there for 15 years, um, that actually led me into my career. Hmm. Uh, someone that trained under my mom uh, several years before I was a junior in college, okay. so that would have been 2010. So probably 15 years before that, my mom um, worked with a woman who, fast forward to 2010, was at the Weather Channel. Huh. And every year they would meet and go to dinner. And some before my senior year, my mom was like, you need an internship. <laughs> let's go <laughs> and let's chat with Becky. And, you know, if you're, uh, if you're interested, see if there's an internship and beg her to, uh, be a reference. So, uh, luckily there was a, there was, there was a design internship and huh. I had only taken that one sort of general design class that all communication majors have to take where you learn Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign all in one semester from a book, which anyone who, you know, does design, it's like, that's not realistic <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but basically it gets you confident in opening the programs and using a few of the main tools. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'm totally, I can 
you know, do design for a summer at the Weather Channel. That'd be awesome. So uh, got my interview and they were like, as long as you're willing to learn, I was like, absolutely, I'm willing to learn. And, and that summer they poured themselves into me. Wow. Um, I worked at Office Depot to support my internship job, but it was totally worth, worth it because um, they took someone who had that very low level of design, took a risk on me. And then by the end of the summer, I was producing brand campaigns, you know, alongside the other uh, designers with, you know, within two months. So that wow. tells you like how much they're willing to sit with me and say, you know, just kind of start off with some production work. And by the end of the summer, I was producing things that um, like mobile banners, you know, those 320 by 50s at yeah. the bottom of an app. Um, they were letting me kind of have some creative control on that. And at the end of the summer, uh, Nancy Maisie, who is a phenomenal creative work um, for a ton of agencies over the years. Um, she was the VP of creative at the time. And she came up to me in my last day of the internship. And I was just sitting there. I was like, please say that y'all consider me, you know, for a job. Like, you know, you know, going into senior year, you're like, is anybody going to hire me? Like, you know, God forbid it be somewhat place as cool as the weather channel to like pay me money to come here and do this. Yeah. I was already so willing to do it for free. Um, and she comes up to my desk and she's like, so uh, when you graduate, she was from New York and she was just very straightforward. And uh, I was like, well, this is my senior year. So, you know, May. And she was like, we have a job in December. That's when we have a job. So I went back to school and I, I set a meeting with my, uh, you know, the advisor. And I was like, I need to graduate in December. I have a job at the Weather Channel in December. And he was like, you have 18 hours that you need left. Like, Jeez, yeah. do you really want your senior year to be 18 hours of cramming it? And I was like, yep. And graduated early and uh, graduated from Alabama December 17th, 2011. Moved to Atlanta on the 18th, and my first day at the Weather Channel was the 19th. Wow. So, oh, that is amazing. What a story. Jumped right into it. Wow. Yeah, seriously. And so if your LinkedIn serves me correctly, you were there for like three and a half-ish years. Um, I, I'm curious, like, what Yeah, what was that like? Like, what uh, were there, there a couple of lessons? I'm sure you learned a lot, but any sort of like pivotal moments or uh, like vignettes during your time there that you today kind of look back to as like, oh, wow you know, this moment or this experience really taught me a lot about X or meeting this person, working under this person taught me a lot about Y. When you think about your time there, like what are a couple of the moments that stand out most to you? Um, I would say one of the things that has definitely stuck with me throughout my career is the Weather Channel was a comfortable place to be a creative person. Mm. Um as an intern, I had weekly meetings with the VP of creative You know, the same person I told a story about before that gave me, you know, my first job out of college. If you were, if you were there, they were willing to listen to your ideas. And I think that is why, you know, now the mobile app is owned by IBM, but I think that's why they've continued to be such a force in the mobile app industry and the weather industry, you know, selling their API, like all that kind of stuff. Um, they're willing to listen to their creatives. Like mm. they, they hire people because of their personalities and they, they definitely like a type of creative and that's a scatterbrain designer, Yeah, <laughs> which, um, I definitely fall under, uh, but a, a designer that can think beyond just the design that, that sees that strategic marketing component. Um, and so when you have that, that 
comfortableness. Yeah. When you have that level of being comfortable at a company, um, it's kind of like a catalyst for skill development in a lot of areas beyond even design. Mm. Um, being able to talk to VPs about um, app ideas that I had about uh, marketing integrations, anything. Uh, you know, I started off just coming in and to the meeting and just saying, okay, here's my pitch and coming off a little probably nervous, you know, very like freshly 21 and in my first job. And they would be like, I see where you're going with this, but I need a PowerPoint. I need this to be thought out. The, mm. Here's a hole. Here's a hole. Here's a hole in what you're thinking and kind of taught me. Yes, this is a good idea, but here's where you need to have this buttoned up before you come to a VP and, you know, have that level of confidence in what you're pitching. Because if you don't believe in what you're pitching, then as you're talking about it, the person who you're trying to get to, you know, come along with you on whatever journey you're painting um, is not going to. If you yeah. don't love it, other people aren't going to love it. So, you know, empowering designers and creatives and marketing folks alike to like fall in love with what they're doing. Um, and that's something I've always tried to keep with me throughout my career. You know, uh, that passion, like it has to continue to fuel itself. And, you know, you can play some role in it, but you have to wake up every day and feel empowered to make your your product or whatever it is that you're selling a, a better process, a better product. Yeah. What, uh, I love what you're saying. And, you know, I, I've been privileged to work with a number of incredible creative people uh, over the course of, of my career as well. And, you know, creative people are, are beautiful, amazing, awesome people, but they can also be incredibly hard to manage, right? Like they can also just, they, they have Absolutely. lots of opinions. Like they can get, you know, really fixed on an idea and you think it just makes perfect sense to everybody around them. And everyone around them is sort of looking at each other like, does anyone else understand what this person is trying to communicate? Right. Like, and like, that's the stereotype Absolutely. of like a really good creative, right? Like you think of like, you know, Steve Jobs is, as one of the, one of the many sort of like, um, you know, yeah, modern fathers of creativity and just how, you know, brash he was, uh, and, and whatnot. And I, you know, I, I guess my question for you is like, when you were at the Weather Channel working on this team, did you learn anything about sort of like how to relate with people sort of like outside of uh, the creative team? Did you like learn much about sort of like, you know, I don't know, business? Like, did you acquire some business sense there? Was was there any sort of pressure on you to figure out like, hey, it's not enough to just have a really good idea that makes sense to the creative team, but you've, you've got to figure out a way to like help the rest of the function of the company understand why this is so important. Did you encounter any of those situations yeah i mean that's where i learned that the classic sales and design dynamic right mm. like the tom and jerry of the corporate world <laughs> uh and that, i think that speaks to a lot of what you were talking about if you're going to go and pitch an idea to the sales team you can't do that in design speak you mm. can't go up there and just talk about how pretty it is and how it's going to be the prettiest out of all the things they're going to go okay and is it free to do. And we make a million, you know, you, you have to understand who your audience is and then you have to pitch your idea in a way that shows them immediate benefits mm. and ease of use and all those things that sales teams or, um, you know, tech people that think a little bit more, um, technically and yeah. a little bit more, uh, 
you know, where's the immediate benefit? I don't want this to be nuanced, like cut yeah, that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because creatives can go on and on about that, as you said. So what's funny. Perfecting the pitch. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And, and what's, what's super interesting is like, I feel like the most successful creatives that I've encountered are the folks that are, are able to be like, you know, that are aware of the fact that it's not just about designing, you know, or creating something that's beautiful. Like it's, it's really, it has to make sense, right? It, it legitimately had, and like, you know, you, we've seen sort of like the rise of like UX and UI being a little bit more of like a discipline that I think marketing people understand and even people in leadership sort of like understand the importance of design, but design sort of as a function needs to be tied towards like whatever the, the business goals of the organization are. And like in, in our context, right? Like, a great creative, you know, working on a marketing team at a college or university does need to care about sort of how does this increase inquiries for admissions, right? Or like how the way that I am crafting or designing this landing page, is it conducive and inspiring for somebody to, you know, submit an RFI or or not? And it, it, the, the best creatives, I feel like, are able to take their, you know, innate talent and find ways to communicate ideas that help the powers that be understand why this form needs to, you know, be designed in this particular fashion as opposed to this other fashion. So I know I'm getting in the weeds here, but like I, I, I this is also teeing up a, or, or bringing up another question in my mind, which is like of all the projects you got to work on, like at the Weather Channel, is there is there one that like really stands out? Or like if it wasn't a project, is there a season or a period of time there that like you look back at and think wow that was like a really special thing or a really special moment um over the course of my career hmm. there i'm not gonna lie there were a lot of really cool and exciting things uh that i got to be a part of while i was at the weather channel i started off um production artist so kind of just pitching in where i needed to pitch in as far as internal marketing stuff and then sort of evolved into working closer with sales to do mock-up pitches. Hmm. Uh, so I, I guess at the weather channel is where I kind of started my ability to like finesse myself into a new position. Uh, so I started off on the design team, kind of working on show banners, you know, like morning HQ was one of our shows uh, just sort of, you know, those again, like the 300 by the 320 by 50 banners, resizing things. Um, and then evolving that into working with, with the sales team to land pitches and, and, you know, full branded background sponsorships from Disney movies and Walmart and thinking around like, how, how are we going to make weather special huh. to these things? So I remember one time we had a big sponsorship come in from MMA, whatever yeah, that league yeah. is. It's been some time now and, you know, all the MMA fights are indoors yeah. and our branded backgrounds all had, you know, it was cool. You could change the weather, like the skin of about 75% of the screen would be whatever weather it is outside. So you had to be outside. And I kind of worked myself into the position where my boss would come to me and be like, okay, so sales sold uh, a branded background sponsorship to an indoor sport. What are we going to do? <laughs> so I ended up coming with this concept where they were like boxing on the roof of a building in New York city. And then, then we were able to kind of 
you know, change the weather out from there. So it'd be snowing these, you know, they'd be, uh, dueling it out in the bottom of the photo. Um, so figuring out design problems like that. And, and they also had a hackathon each year, um, which in 2012 was not as, as common. Uh, it was definitely a new thing for me. And the first year that I participated in it, um, our team ended up winning. We had 48 hours to build a functional uh, app. And we came up with an idea that included weather data into a fitness app, which wasn't necessarily something that was going on at the time. And um, a couple people, uh, one of my friends, it was his idea, uh, and he needed other designers. You had to have a couple people on your team. So seeing that that 48 hours evolve from here's my friend's idea to fully functioning, you know, he got on his bike and you could see in real time the weather and the humidity and how fast he was going, just like your rather your regular fitness app. Huh. And they ended up launching something with that. So that was that was cool to kind of continuously look for the weather connection um, and then kind of connect that with sales and marketing ideas. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's super super cool. Wow, I've I've got like so many questions for you on this, but I, for the sake of time, do want to move on. Uh, we'll have to t- we'll have to talk more about this app uh, offline. At one point in Absolutely. time, I thought um, I might want to be a meteorologist. So this is you know just funny. I'm geeking out over here. But um, after the Weather Channel, you went on to work at Fane and Trip, I believe, which is a marketing firm that was based in or is based in Atlanta. I'm curious to know what it was like to move from sort of like an in-house creative team to working at an agency where you're serving multiple clients. And it sounds like, I guess, the team that you're working on at the Weather Channel, you, you know, work working on an array of projects and pitches, depending on sort of like, you know, the ad sponsors that the Weather Channel was landing. Um, So, you know, maybe got a little bit of, you know, taste for working, you know, what agency life is like. But like, what were some of the lessons learned or uh, the kind of key moments during your time there that were... Uh, that especially, you know, stand out to you? Sure. Uh, I like to compare it to when you go from an in-house to an agency, it's go- like going from being the cook to the server at a restaurant. Huh. You know, you kind of go from a steady stream of asks, like we need fries here. We need, you know, the filet here and fulfilling that in really cool and creative ways to, having to be the server and having to figure (laughs) out what it is and kind of build your own strategy and doing it all with a nice, big, bright smile on your face. You know, it's not that in-house agencies aren't client driven and client based. A lot of the in-houses that I've worked for referred to internal salespeople as the client. So it's not that you get to be rude in any way as an in-house person, but you have to be willing to pick up a phone call on a Saturday at five 30 at an agency in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not necessarily all the time and, and it's not exclusive to agency life at all, but it is an overall thing in my opinion, in my experience that, um, agency is a lot more customer service based from, you know, the ground floor up. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I, I often think about sort of like mad men and just how, you know, the, I, I don't know, have you, I'm assuming you've seen the series. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, you haven't seen the morning show, so I thought I, you know, might as well uh, double check and make sure you'd seen Mad Men. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just like, like the, the all, uh, you know, encompassing sort of like lifestyle. And while that's, you know, a 
TV series. I know a lot of people uh, in the agency world too, where the clients are your bread and butter. Like you are an extension of their team and therefore uh, you got to make people happy. Um, so it, it's a very, very demanding, demanding job. Um, uh, you worked for some cool clients when you were there. Uh, do you have a favorite project or favorite sort of client that you got to work for? I would say going on the product photo shoots for um, Yamaha Watercraft mm. was definitely a cool new experience and seeing how all of that works and we would do shot lists before. So we would kind of carve out what we wanted the ad creative for that product line release to look like mm. before we even had the photos of the units. And we would uh, sketch out different angles that we wanted in order to kind of match um, how we saw the creative going for all the print and digital stuff for that year. Wow. Wow. Dang. Was that like, so I guess, you know, I, I don't know much about this process, but like, I, I imagine there's just an incredible amount of work that goes into sort of like, you know, the, the project before the shoot actually happens. Like, like how much time, like roughly from a percentage standpoint, do you guys, would you guys spend planning for like a shoot? Uh, versus mm -hmm. like the actual shoot? Well, um, so at, the shoot's usually during the summer. Okay. And I would say at least three months before we would start, um, you know, on our own drawing those angles. And then we would actually send them out to an artist to have them professionally drawn because that is not a strong suit of mine at all. <laughs> I really appreciate those creatives that can also draw. I'm so jealous of that, but it is chicken scratch. Um, a hundred, like can barely read my own name. <laughs> uh, you know, those things where people are like, draw this with your left hand yeah, yeah. and then draw with your right hand and see the difference. And it's like, I, I guess I'm ambidextrous. Or what, is there a dextrous? I, uh, I, I think I'm that. <laughs> so we would have those sketches sent out and then have big, uh, binders just full of sketches and we would sit in the photography boat and we could literally see what the camera was saying wow. and we would go unit by unit and make sure that we got each angle crossing off each angle as we go and be like all right so everything on this unit you know running left running right you know cool you know spin photo up close you know, in the water shot, we would have to check them off one by one. Wow. Dang. Dang. Uh, I would love to be on a shoot uh, one day and just like watch all these like incredibly creative people like arguing and like, you know, going at it. And it's just it sounds like it would just be an incredible experience. A lot. I, I bet there's like lots of strong opinions, lots of like adapting on the fly to or like, you know, the clouds roll in or it starts raining and it throws everything off. It's got to be like a, a pretty unique experience. It definitely is because you get thing you get, you have the human factor. Yeah, so you yeah. plan out, you know, which, um, uh, model actor, I'm not sure how people would identify, but the people that are going to be actually in the photos, you, you have them out all day and then you realize, oh man, okay, well, Dan got burned yesterday because <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything about someone being burned. Yeah, like that's yeah. never going to look good. You can try and Photoshop it out. Um, but you know, and then you're like, okay, well, I'm out and I'm, I'm out a dad for the day. Now yeah. I'm only down to two potential dads. Yeah. Uh, and, and kind of reworking different family units. And well, maybe we'll just say that this is probably like the babysitter, or you know, you you have to think <laughs> like in terms of these are families 
because that's what the marketing's supposed to, you know, sort of grab that emotion um, from a very family focused activity being on the water. Yeah. Not always, but yeah, gosh. Yeah. Things that like none of us even think about when we're like watching a commercial. Right. Um, uh, well, uh, I'm curious you next, you worked in, uh, you went into the nonprofit space and you started working for the arthritis foundation. I'm curious, uh, you worked in media, then you worked for kind of a boutique agency. Now you're working for a, a nonprofit. What, what sort of brought you there? And, uh, what was interesting, if anything about sort of like that experience and how it kind of fits into your, your overarching career profile? Scattered creatives, am I right? I mean, who does that? <laughs> what trajectory is that? I don't know. Was there a plan? Absolutely not. And yet it's uh, consistent because, you know, you're consistently inconsistent. So um. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that opportunity came up because of a relationship that I had made at the Weather Channel. Uh, again, a thing that I learned there was we had a lot of people that um, – you know, also worked at CNN or HLN or other, other big media houses in Atlanta. And one of the designers that I was working with just took a lot of time to mentor me. And he was like, never, ever leave an interaction. If you're only going to have be in a, one meeting with one person one time, like make sure that you also market yourself. Like you mm. have to constantly be your own advocate because when you want to go get that job at CNN, that person's probably going to be there and they're going to go, didn't you work with Kathleen Davis at the weather channel? And they will throw your, your resume out. Cause there's a million other designers with two years of experience Yeah, because that person was like, mm, kind of mean based off one interaction. <laughs> so, that's, you know, uh, another great thing that I, I left the weather channel with and ended up paying me back in the form of the arthritis foundation. There was a really good opportunity there. Uh, one of my friends reached out to me, told me about it. Uh, I was kind of ready to leave agency life and get back in house. And it was in midtown. It was a beautiful building. Um, and I leaped on the opportunity. I, I could sense the, the cool work atmosphere that they had there, the sense of community, um, and it was just very attractive to me to kind mm. of go to a more comfortable in-house position and be able to hone in my skills on one brand. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I imagine too, after, you know, working at the Weather Channel where you're working on a, you know, for one company, but on an array of projects with lots of different advertisers, lots of different, you know, internal sub teams, different customers that were internal, then going to the agency side of things where you're working, you know, for a plethora of people. You know, I assume that a lot of the organizations that you all worked for too were pretty unrelated not necessarily all within like one industry and i imagine after a while you're kind of like i kind of want to just like focus on making one thing or one area like really great and really awesome um absolutely and this give you an opportunity to do that so this you know this brings us to uh the moment we've all been waiting for uh which is <laughs> your decision to shift into higher ed so you've had a you know really diverse career so far as you know done a wide variety of things and now you are working in higher education as a director of engagement marketing so talk to us about like when this shift happened like especially during especially you know during such a tumultuous season and uh, uh there is there's just this like mass exodus happening in higher ed right now and there you know lots of talk about the great resignation everywhere but i think it's hit higher ed in a particularly interesting way and so while some people are are headed out you are jumping in so 
talk to us about like why you decided to come to higher ed and um, what that you know decision making process was like. Yeah, I mean, it makes no sense and all the sense at the same time when you look at my background. <laughs> uh, so my partner actually got a job offer up here um, as an Episcopal priest. Okay. And we moved up here and I, you know, it was during COVID. So I could be fully remote with the Alpharetta Foundation um, designing from afar. And the opportunity came up uh, at the University of Lynchburg someone sent me the job link and as a former camp counselor, uh, you know, head counselor towards the end of my career, uh, at the, the summer camp that I worked at, I was like, this is kind of like just a really big camp. Like I can have all of my camp dreams come true in the form of academia. And I I'm kind of working on a theory that like camp kids are higher ed adults. Ooh. So let me know if you can, help me with that data a little bit as you do your interviews. Okay, I like it. I like it. Back. We'll build an Excel file out. <laughs> so I applied for the position and as a marketing specialist. And that was my, I got the job, obviously. Um, not obviously I got the job, but you know, I work there now. Yes, so that is you do. not a surprise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was my first non-creative title I'd had in my 10 year career, mm. I was looking for something a little different that would allow me to think more with my strategic brain mm. than, um, pushing out, you know, X amount of graphics a day. I found myself as I progressed in my career being far more excited about the strategy side mm. and being able to pitch my ideas and my strategy through my designs, like I, I could literally show through mock-ups what I was talking about, Yeah. which, you know, not a lot of people traditionally in sales have that big design background. Yeah. So it really just helped me bolster my strategy and get the, whoever I was presenting to a little bit closer to what I was talking about, because they could literally see it. Uh, because I've been doing um, mock-ups for sales pitch decks for years. Yeah. So, um, I was excited to be able to formally have that strategic role and have the design just be a nice to have ability. And then within nine months, I got this awesome promotion that's going to allow me to do a lot more of the exciting things that we've been working on. Yeah. Um, I think that I was telling this, um, I was talking about this the other day. I, I think that some of the, marketing strategy that I'm working on right now is the most exciting stuff that I have ever worked on in my career hmm. because it's all new. It's I think in a lot of ways, as I learn more about higher ed, it's not that marketing's new to enrollment. It's not that, you know, corporate people are coming in and showing people how to do marketing. <laughs> it's not that at all. Um, it's, it's that it is being included in more than just promotional ways yeah, and more than just, um, you know, putting ads in the local magazine, it is strategy. It is incorporating, uh, data and what that means in relation to enrollment numbers and figuring out go right and left, even though we've gone right the last 20 years, we realized that if we would have gone left five years ago, we would be here. Um, and kind of being okay with 
like data leading a lot of what um, is done yeah. um, in a very community-based industry. Like academia is community-based. People love their local college. They go to the games, they root for them academically, uh, sports-wise, and just as like a pillar of the community. Yeah. Having having colleges in town. So um it's it's an exciting and new thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a brand new challenge in a brand new industry with brand new roles. And I love that. Yeah. I love the way that we're figuring it out. Um, I love my team. Uh, I think I'm lucky enough to go into a new world with people that just, you know, from day one have been willing to fill me in on anything that maybe I don't know, Mm. um, have definitely come in saying, Hey, I'm not familiar with how this works in higher ed. Can you walk me through that? And then kind of reassessing what I had preemptively thought because I'm not selling boats anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's so good. Uh, there's, there's so much gold there. I, I, I like the fact that like, you know, you, you've gone from working on an, in an in-house creative team, helping sort of, you know, problem solve at the weather channel, creating, uh, assets, uh, creative assets for internal teams, for, uh, uh the weather channel, you know, advertisers to then going and working at this, uh, agency where you're working with a number of cool brands, right. But you're pushing, you know, one or a handful of products for them. Now what yeah. you're really doing is you're, you're putting together sort of like a, a, a game plan and, and executing like strategic marketing vision that is selling not just a product, like it's it's selling an experience. It's it's selling like a lifestyle, right? It's 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 selling, um, you know, hopefully something that students will graduate with and uh, a big part of their identity will 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 be their college experience, right? And so it's it, it, I, I feel like in, in each step, like you just sort of like leveled up sort of like you know, the, the important role, the, the function, if you will, that marketing plays, um, in, in each of these scenarios. And now you're, you're in, in this environment where again, you're, you're working to really help build a community and help community sort of like last, um, and, and be memorable, not just be attractive at face value so that we can, you know, fill butts and seats, but so much so that like when people leave, when they graduate, when they move on, they want to come back, right, uh, with their dollar or Absolutely. physically, right? Uh, and and I think that that responsibility is significant uh, and is is sort of like you know next level, if you will. I I completely agree with that. I think that the college experience is one of the few times in our lives, the majority of people that you live communally. Mm, yeah. And as a person who had a wonderful college experience, I mean, I'm still my best friends in the world I, I met in college as a person who had a wonderful college experience. I feel like it is, I'm tasked with, you know, making sure that the students that I'm recruiting with what I'm doing also leave with a positive experience. Also find that community yeah. that we're connecting what we have to offer with the people that need it. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Um, Kathleen, I have just one final question for you. Um, this has been a blast, by the way. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing you your story. This is this is wonderful. Uh, I feel like we could talk all day. Um, but my last question for you is just, you know, what is some of the best and some of the worst, you know, career advice that you've, you know, received over the course of 
of your uh, tenure as a professional? Because again, you've done a variety of different things. I'm sure lots of people have had lots of different things to say. Uh, what What's some of the best advice that you've received and some of the worst for, uh, advice that you've received? Um, well, I came into the corporate world right in the midst of the hustle culture. Mm. And uh, this is not a new idea on my behalf. I think it's something that a lot of people are talking about now. But the fact that hustle culture should not be the norm, mm. should not kind of be celebrated in the way that it is. I think that if you have, um, if you're lucky enough to be in a position where you're doing what you want to be doing, then it is your responsibility to um, not resent that job to you. You're responsible for your attitude that you bring to the table. Um, and ultimately, you know, if, if you don't resent your job, if you love what you're doing, if you have passion, hus the hustle will happen on its own. You yeah. will clearly see your next step in front of you and you will be excited to pursue it. If you make sure that, you are mentally well within your job that you don't, you're not still at a job you should have left five years ago. Yeah. Um, if you take care of yourself within your position and continually strive for different roles within your company or doing things that, you know, get you closer to what makes you happy, that's the hustle. Mm. And, and that's, what's going to naturally progress you forward or you need to leave that position. Yeah. You, once you incorporate having to wake up, hungry every day, like you're not doing what you should be doing yeah. then in a lot of ways, um, you know, overworking, uh, I think could be a symptom of that, not necessarily being your thing hmm. because a lot of people don't get successful off that hustle culture nature. They just end up burning out. Yeah. And if you take care of yourself before it gets to that point, if you kind of stay away from, I'm going to work 90 hours this week, well, then you're going to probably hate your job in a year. If you're working 90 hours a week, <laughs> you, know, you're, you may or may not ever be eligible for a promotion or a significant pay upgrade. So then you're going to resent that job. So I, I would have to say the whole hustle culture thing was probably the worst advice because, um, it's not realistic. Yeah, yeah, it isn't. It isn't. Uh, so well said. So well said. Um, and, you know, I, I love the point in particular about just, you know, remembering like if, you, if you're grinding it to the core and, and you are burning the midnight oil at some point, it's only a, real, a matter of time before you really do start hating what you're doing. And if you like what you're doing, maybe it's time to, you know, think about how much time you're spending doing it. Um but Kathleen, this has been amazing. Uh, I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to more conversations. If you are an enrollment marketer, working in marketing and communications or enrollment management, and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.